we were in the middle of a series. We had a break. Uh, some things came up last week, funerals and so on. So we're in the middle of a series called the Covenant Series. The name is not important. The content is what is important. So I actually ended up preaching the first lesson upstairs. So you, when I begin to speak, you'll kind of remember some of it. I wanted to take a pause as a department, youth and hyphen, I've said it a lot, and we've, we've, been, we've been checking off. We've talked about the Passover, talked about why there's animal sacrifices in the Bible, talked about the, the, why they're breaking bread. We've, we've talked about things, and I want to talk about even, I'm, I got a sermon about marijuana and alcohol coming up. Like, we're going to go to places, okay? But I have a burden to fill your head with as much biblical knowledge as possible. I want you to know why we live this way and why we view God this way. But that will never replace having a consistent, healthy walk with God. I know it's said that when people leave God, they usually say because someone didn't explain something to them. And that's true a lot of times. Pastors and preachers need to explain things. We need to teach the whole Bible. Okay? This is why I don't just say be, be baptized in Jesus' name, get the gift of the Holy Ghost, and I don't tell you why you dress this way, why you do that. Like, we want to talk about all of it, okay? But I know that will never replace having a living, breathing walk with God. And sometimes people glaze over. We talk about prayer a lot. The glazing over is just because you just got to taste and see. Prayer is real. Having a relationship with God is real. It is more real not to be disrespectful to church. because We're not going to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. But... I forget how much I view my life in the context of prayer. Like when I have a bad day or I do something like uh, stupid, not like morally, just like I could have governed my emotions better. I could have talked to that person better. I instantly think I'm going to deal with it in prayer tomorrow. Like I don't know how to function anymore. And this is not because this is not self-ingratiating. Just the last 10 years, I've just I've prayed every day, 15 minutes, 10 minutes at the very least. And what happens is you just build this habit where you're like, it's hard not to pray. It's hard to go day and not pray. So we're not saying, talking about prayer, to be like, hey, bleed for an hour, read the whole Bible, act like you're holy than everybody else. It's just when you talk to God, it's hard to stop talking when you really feel like you feel comfortable doing it. So, for instance, today we're going to talk about talking. And at the end of it, the next lesson in the series, we're going to talk about how it affects your neighbor. We're going, to get each, we're going to get whole so we can be whole for our neighbors. Talking is the, it defines every relationship. Think about it. Imagine having a friend and y'all don't know how to talk to one another. It'd be hard to have a friendship, right? I mean, you can't reach each other's thoughts. You don't know if they like you. You don't know if you relate to anything. So how do you grow together? You talk to each other. In marriage, it's the same way. Oftentimes, you talk about how you talk to one another. And that determines the strength of your relationship. Any, as you begin to date, you're going to learn this. I'm not that good at talking now. What's going on? How come I say mean things? How come I'm... A, you begin to learn to be better about talking. What happens when you have a situation in your life? You go through pain. You talk it out with a confidant, with a friend, with a pastor, with a counselor. Why is talking so important to your health and everyone else's health? They did a study. They locked people in a room. They had them talk to someone they trusted, but that person they trusted didn't even talk back. And they measured how it affected them, and they noticed it was improving their mental health. I don't know the metrics they judged, but they said it changed. The reason why people are selling journals at Barnes & Noble, the reason why people are selling all these different ways to, to talk things out, think things out. You notice how when you're, 
you have a problem? And grandma would say, why don't you talk it out? They even say now that if you talk out something you're learning in school by yourself, you'll, re you'll retain it more. Like talking is integral to a lot of different things in health within relationships, even your relationship with ideas. If you can talk out an idea, you really understand it. Try talking out an idea that's in your head and watch how stupid you sound. I had this idea, and it's going to go like this. And then by the time you're halfway through it, you're like, you know what? I should have talked this out more by myself before I brought it to the public. You know what I'm saying? So you talk these things out, and you grow. And that's why we talk out our faith. Because the more you talk it out, the more you actually really understand it. Talking to God it isn't just something that people that love the Lord do. It's something that helps you grow in your walk with the Lord. It is the walking. It is the growing. It is being with him. So I want to take a, you may be like, where's he going with this? We're going to take a little detour, but I'm going to bring it back to talking to the Lord. And we're going to make a covenant tonight, a 21-day prayer challenge together, okay? So just buckle up, buttercup. Gideon is called by God to save the nation of Israel. Gideon is the least of his house. He's hiding from the enemy. And the Lord says, you're a mighty man of valor. Gideon doesn't want this. Gideon, but Gideon understands and he honors the Lord. Okay? Gideon doesn't just, he doesn't think that he can be what God is telling him he can be, but he does want to be with the Lord. Gideon is used to tear down a false altar. You may not have known that part of the story. He's been used by God. He loves the Lord. He wants to build good altars into God. But Gideon is being pulled into a deep relationship with the Lord. And so what happens is Gideon does something that often can be mischaracterized. Gideon says, Lord, if you're going to use me, if you're going to bless the nation of Israel through me, I'm going to put a piece of fleece out on the ground. And I want the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry. And that will show me that you're here in my life. He wakes up. As he said it, it was done. Whoa. He said, Lord, please don't be angry at me. Can I do one more test? Can the ground be wet and the fleece be dry? And the same thing happened, as he said. And oftentimes you're like, is, is, this the, is, this, is this Gideon testing the Lord? Is this Gideon like manipulating the Lord? Like, What's the difference between testing and trying the Lord? What's the difference between asking God questions in prayer that he's unhappy with or asking questions in prayer that are actually good questions? How do I, how do I handle these things? Now, I am taking a detour, but stay with me. When you go to God and you ask God questions, it actually shows, number one, you believe you're going to get an answer. Now think about it. Even the most broken question, even the most like mangled, confusing question that you ask the God, if you open your mouth in a room where you see no one else there and you speak to God, it is the most strong declaration of faith you'll ever have because you're expecting an answer. That's crazy that we do that. Like that faith is insane that we will open our mouths because when I speak to someone, what am I doing? I'm acknowledging their presence. Imagine if me and you were tight, but I came into this room and I sat down in front of you, but I didn't talk to you. You'd, have, you'd think there's an issue with me or an issue with us. And when I begin to speak to you, you go, I guess everything's okay. They acknowledge my presence. When we ask things of the Lord, even questions that we're afraid that will show that we don't have faith, it's acknowledging that we expect an answer. And honestly, asking the most fearful questions shows a lot of trust and faith in the Lord. Gideon is asking a question. But I often thought that Gideon was testing the Lord, manipulating the Lord. So I want to break down the difference between asking a question that's testing him and asking a question that's trying him, okay? Zechariah is a priest. His wife Elizabeth and him have been praying for a child. 
as long as they've been married. They are now old, they're barren, they cannot have a child. The angel Gabriel shows up and says, hey, now's the time you're going to have a baby. Okay? I've been praying for it for a very, very long time. He then says to the angel Gabriel, he says, how will I know this is going to happen to me? What proof can you give me that what you say is going to be true? The angel, by the end of it, strikes him with being a mute, punishes him for his question. This is why we're scared of questions, right? This is why we're scared of having honest prayer times, because you're afraid maybe God will be displeased with me. The angel goes to another person named Mary. He tells her that she's going to conceive a child. And this is what she asks. She says, how will this be done unto me? And he tells her, what's conceived within you is of the Holy Spirit. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. You're going to be a virgin, but God's going to move through you. She asks a question that sounds very similar to his question. He says, what proof? How will I know this is going to happen to me? She asks, how will this happen to me? She asks a question of clarification. And he asks a question of validation. One person leaves mute from their question. The other person gets clarification from their question. So how we ask God questions does matter. But when I was praying about this, it's not just that Zachariah was asking God, how will I know this will be done in me? Because Gideon with the fleece was saying, I need you to show that you're real. I need you to validate me. And oftentimes I was afraid to ask like that of the Lord, like, I don't need just clarification. I need to know, like, you're here. Like, I need to know if I'm okay. Like, I don't, like, I know how to do it. I just need, like, a flare to be sent up to say, you're on the right spot. So does God not accept validation? Is it wrong to pray out of validation? Is it wrong to ask God questions and say, listen, I, is this real? And I realized that it wasn't just that Zachariah was asking for validation. Because Gideon said, Lord, if this is wet this day and dry the next I'll know that you're here and you're real in my life. He didn't want clarification. He wanted, is this real? Am I right? Can I be whole today? Notice what Zechariah did. He's prayed for years. His wife has for a child. An angel shows up and says, this is going to happen. And he says, what proof do you have for me? You know what the angel says? I am Gabriel. I'm an angel. This is your proof, Jack. It wasn't a Zechariah wanted validation is that when God gave it to him in prayer, he didn't accept it, and he wanted even more. He, that's why he, got, he was made a mute. The angel was saying, how often do you talk to angels? This should be enough for you. See, often we hear Jesus, we read where Jesus says, when they ask for a sign, Jesus says, a wicked generation asks for a sign. And we're like, don't ask for a sign from God. But Jesus also did miracle signs and wonders to show that he was the Messiah, fulfilling prophecy. He did signs, and John the Baptist, Zachariah's miracle baby, he didn't do any signs to show that one is just the forerunner and the other is the Messiah. So it's not wrong to need a sign from God. It's not wrong to say, how will I know? What is dangerous is when he gives you validation and we don't accept it, or he gives an answer and we don't accept it. The angel came, but is there anything more? When Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, a wicked generation hungers after signs, he was not saying, don't want a sign from God. He's saying, I'm fulfilling every sign that I told you I would to the prophets, and it's still not enough for you. These are the people, man in the wilderness, pillar of fire at night. He, he's giving sight to the blind, and they're still not believing it. I said this a couple months ago. Pablo chuckled out loud. 
But literally, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus is preaching and a voice from heaven speaks. And one person says, that's from God. Another person next to them says, that was just thunder. What more can you do? Just pack it all up. Just, you're, just, you're just not going to make it. I'm sorry. That's what it is. God's giving answers, but we have to accept his answers, right? So let me show you real quickly the difference between in prayer, am I testing God or trying God, okay? Firstly, if I don't ask him the questions, if I don't ask him to help, if I don't ask him things I'm afraid to ask him, if I don't talk to God, then I'm not really accepting his presence in my life. If I only talk to God here but not there, then I think his presence is here and not there. It's weird that Eve is in a garden of God's provision, but if she just would have talked to him, she'd have been aware that he was present to help her, and he could have spoken on her behalf to Lucifer. The Israelites, as I've hammered the last couple of weeks, the Israelites, they hear the voice of God saying how to get the manna, but they're not listening. So they believe in the manna, but they can't get it because they won't believe in the voice. They believe that God does things, but they're not accepting his presence. So we have to be careful about having a prayerful relationship because church shows that we believe in provision, but a prayer life shows you believe in his presence. I'm laying some stuff down now. You picking it up? So firstly, if I carry burdens or questions in my life and I don't talk out to God, I still do this. I struggle with this myself. I realize I have not really let him be my counselor. I've, I really, why did I not tell God this complicated problem, but I'm telling you about it? Because I believe more in your presence than his. It, that's really as simple as it gets, right? If I journal it, but I haven't prayed it, I'm all about it. The but which presence do I believe more in? Do I believe when I audibly ask questions to the Lord that he is going to move? And when I open my Bible every day and I'm filled with his spirit, that he is going to give a solution answer. It's as it's, 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 uh, cornbread and butter and clap. That's as simple as it gets. That's why we're ingrained when you're a child. You want to speak to imaginary friends. Why? Because something inside of you makes you want to speak to somebody. Is that not strange? That's why when you have ideas, you want to tell somebody because you have a hard time keeping it in. Why are you so fixated on telling your parents when you're young, Daddy, listen to me. Daddy, watch me. And it, you know, well, if you, you didn't have a daddy. Mommy, watch me. Why are we so fixated on that? Because we want to be heard. God gave us something that says talk it out. Jehoshaphat, surrounded by the enemy, God said pray all night and tomorrow I'll fight for you. You just got to be able to, okay, we're praying. Like, if we're put in situations, we are, where all we can do is just talk to him about it. It shows, and I'm getting to why this, this is testing. If we don't ask God questions or pray to God about it, but we believe in God, in those situations, they're going to affect us. What happens is we become, we're testing, we're daring God to move on our behalf without us having to talk to him about it. Because deep down, we want God to bless us and change us and help us. A lot of times, I caught myself wanting God to do a thing I had not talked to him about. And I'm like, why has God not done it yet? And God's like, you haven't even talked to me about it. Like, I, I see it, but talk. we're wanting to skip the talking part. But we want to skip to the manna part. This is what's so strange to me. In the, in the Old Testament, the Israelites always went to Moses and murmured and complained about what they needed. And then God would give it, and God got mad at them. But they need water, and they need manna. Why is God mad? Because they're not talking to him about it. They're just talking to each other about it. Testing the Lord, the number one way we test the Lord is we're really hoping he will do something in our life. But we're not going to talk to him about it. We're going to talk to ourselves about it or our neighbor about it. 
Murmuring is not just being negative about your church or about yourself or about your... Murmuring is to talk about things with each other that should be first talked about in his presence. Because the same thing they talked to Moses about, we just went back to Egypt. We're hungry and God gave food. But why is God mad? They, need, they needed food. They said it and they got... He's mad because they're not coming to him about it. Is it not a form of testing the Lord? We're daring God to be good to us without us having to be good to him. Come on, somebody. And you know what the sad thing is? Is God so good? He will be good to us. But we're cutting out the relationship part. We get the provision but not the presence. Talking is so integral. Number one reason, well, number one way to test the Lord is to, man, I'm going to go fast, is to not talk it out with him, not to get answers from him, and we just, we just hope he, he guides. Can I use this illustration real quick? I'm not calling anybody out. It's just a very specific illustration because you're going to relate to this. Imagine you're getting a job. Are you getting a new ministry? Are you getting a new department at church? And uh, you're like, you know, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I like this job, this ministry. I don't know if I like this relationship with this person. So instead of talking out with God, should I stay at this job? Should I get a new job? Should I stay in this relationship? Should I get a new relationship? What we do is, is we just kind of, we don't realize that we trick ourselves. We stop feeding the relationship. Or we stop doing our best at, 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 the, at the job. Okay? One day your boss comes to you and says, hey, you're not doing very good. We're gonna, I think we're going to have to let you go. And you go, you know what? It was God's will. It was God's will. They fired me. God shuts and opens doors. No, Jack, you starved it to death. <laughs> oh, the fear's moving. <clears throat> Instead of telling the Lord, like, hey, here's my question. Tell me. Really tell me. Should I put my best foot forward? What we do is, is we don't tell them. We start living the question instead of asking the question. And then we just take happenstance as God's will. We never asked for his guidance, but we accept the situations of life as if he's involved. God's like, I'm not the reason that door got shut. That's a way of testing the Lord. We're daring him to reach in. We're making God more like the weather instead of the God whose presence we believe in. Number two, the, another way that we can test versus try the Lord. Satan looked at, at Jesus when he's tempting him in the wilderness. He said, throw yourself off this, this ledge and the angels will catch you. It is written, the angels will catch you. You have the power to command angels. Jesus said, I have the power, but I'm not going to do this just to do this. You, it is written, thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. Testing is when you throw yourself off of any cliff just to make God do what you want. Trying the Lord is, the enemy threw you off the cliff and he catches you. Trying the Lord is, I let stupidity or ignorance make myself fall off this cliff. And I need him now. He's going to catch me. That's trying the Lord. Testing the Lord is, I'm going to throw myself off this cliff and God better catch me. That's testing the Lord, okay? That's trying to make God honor something or give an answer that we want. I'm asking a question. Lord, should I date this person? You ask the question, but you've already asked them out. That's testing, not trying. Can I get an amen? I'm asking the Lord, should I do this thing? But I'm already going to go do it, and I'm going to see if he calls me back, and I'll just shut it off if he calls me back. That I'm going to throw myself off the ledge. I hope you catch me. I hope you're good, God. That is testing versus trying is like Gideon. Listen, I just want to know you're here. But if you don't make the fleece wet this day, no one's dying. I'm not going to be in a bad relationship. Like, I'm just having a converse. The key about this situation with the fleece, it's about the talking to one another. The fleece is just a symptom. It's just a symbol. No one's dying. Gideon's not going to walk away. He's not going to fall to his death. It's just the reason why this is not testing when he gives the fleece. 
It's because he's not arm barring God into anything. He's just asking, Lord, here I am. And God's going to give an answer. He's going to accept the answer. It's okay to say, Lord, I need you today. I just need to feel whole today. And I'm going to get back into this. But the second reason how we test or versus try the Lord is we ask the Lord a question and we just don't accept his answer. Okay, and this may be more subtle than we realize. Unless you're hearing audible voices from God where he goes, here's what you do, and you go, I don't like that. That usually does not happen to you. What happens is we ask questions of the Lord, and he gives us answers, and we don't accept them, not really even realizing it. Imagine you pray every day for good health, but you smoke a pack of cigarettes. It's like, I think the Lord was saying to the scripture, like, maybe be sober. Your body's a temple. Like, you're asking a question, but I've, I've given some answers about it. We all pray. I did as a young person. You're praying if you're single. Lord, I want a wonderful spouse. I want a marriage that's going to be incredible. I want you to send me the perfect person. Okay, that's the, that's the question. Okay, and you're thinking their answer, that's the answer is them coming to your life. The Lord's going to do, the first answer he's going to give you before he gives you the perfect spouse, he's going to try to make you a better potential spouse. <laughs> because what if they're the... If they're the answer to your prayer, what if you're not the answer to their prayer? Not yet. So you're waiting for the final answer of God saying, here's your perfect spouse, all the way from blah, 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 behind door number three. But yet you haven't received the answers from God that first help you be the thing they're praying for firstly. Wouldn't it be awful? God gives you the answer to your prayer, but he didn't work on you so you'd be the answer to their prayer. So first, it's like when Elijah said, Elisha said rather, rain is coming, the armies of God are thirsty. But he said, you got to make the valley full of ditches. So the answer is the rain. That's the final answer. Thirst quenched. But the first answer from God that has to be accepted is, Can you, are you willing to make the valley full of ditches? So we ask, I'll say it this way. I prayed to preach to people. Okay? The first God said, that's a, that's a later answer to that question. The first answer I'm going to give you, I'm going to help you learn how to love me, talk to me, love my word, understand my word. Okay? There was like... Five years of other answers I got from that one question before I got to the answer I wanted. And I had to accept them. Because if you skip it, I couldn't, not even to mention one day asking, Lord, can I preach and actually be good at it? That was a later question and answer. There's so many prerequisites that we have to really let God do in our lives. We're wanting miracles, signs, and wonders. And God may be answering that question you're praying for with simpler answers than you realize. Are you willing to accept them? You're waiting for wonderful rain to fall, but can you simply pick up the shovel and make some ditches? Make some habits, make some routines, accept first principles. You know what I'm saying? Because if not, that would be to test the Lord. Lord, can you quench my thirst without me making the vessel that can receive it? You know what I'm saying? God's going to move, but are we really willing to receive it? The second way is to ask a question of the Lord and to not accept his answer and to keep manipulating God to get a different answer. Okay? Trying to keep coming back. Give me a different answer. Give me a different answer. Give me a different answer. Like, you know the little magic eight ball? I know it's witchcraft. Remember as a kid, you're like, should I do this? And you shake it, and it says, I think your future endeavors will turn out okay. My eight ball gave me back paragraphs. I don't know what yours gave you. Short answer. Yeah. You know, what would you do when you didn't get the answer you wanted? You'd reshake it. Like, you believed in its magical powers, and it gave you what you wanted, but when you didn't, you're like, this thing is stupid, and you'd reshake it. Caden didn't know what this is. He's been holy and sanctified and a vessel unto the Lord. Devin knows what this is. Devin's like, that was next to my wiki board. I kept it. I had the seance and the incense. And Sometimes we treat God that way, okay? 
Sometimes we accept his answers in the second. Like, I believe rain's coming, and I heard about the ditch thing, but I just didn't dig it. Oops, that's on me. But sometimes we just like, I don't want that answer. Like, I need to, I need to keep like, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure? This is why Zechariah got in trouble. Because he's like, are you sure, Lord? Can, can I, can I re-roll? Is there more proof than the angel? This is why, this is revering back to prayer. Okay. Prayer is the mechanism. Reading the Bible is the mechanism by which you ask questions. Okay. But what if prayer and devotion is the answer to your question? What if we're re-rolling? We're praying for God to give you peace. We're praying for God to give you clarity. We're praying for God to give you stability. We're praying for God to give you things. And what if you're waiting for a different answer, not realizing that what you're currently doing is your answer? What a flip of perspective. How do you get better at talking? You talk more. You can't think about it. You just, how do you get better at public speaking? Spoiler, you're going to have to public speak more. How do you get better at relationships? You're just going to have to be in a relationship. How do you get better at doing anything? Riding a bike. You gotta ride. The act in itself it becomes a blessing unto you. Sometimes we get so trapped in prayer and devotion being the mechanism by which we ask questions and get answers, we forget that for a lot of our questions, the act of it itself is the answer to the question. This, I wanted to refer this later. I, have, I realize that I live with a perspective that is not unique to me, but I just, I forget about it, okay? There's this thing, and my wife knows this, and she tells me, like, on vacation, you need to go pray, because we won't have a good day today if you don't go pray. There's a switch that clicks in my psyche when I go and pray. Like, I did it today. I was like, Lord, I want a word. I'm going through some stuff, you know, Freon and multiple you know, things, and uh, I just need a word. I need some manna today. You know, I did, and I, I was waiting on the word. I lit a candle and had a cup of coffee. And before I went to the Bible, I was just going to walk around and talk to God. You know what happened? I instantly felt like a different person. I had perspective. I felt good. I, I felt relieved. I began to tell God cares. And 30 minutes later, I didn't need any new spectacular word. All of a sudden, just by praying, I felt like I had picked up the manna. I would went out and found it. Like, I, this was what made me whole. I was looking for prayer to give me an answer, but all of a sudden I noticed, I was reminded for the thousandth time, prayer was my answer today. And here's the danger of church, is that you come here to find answers, and God will give answers. But one of the biggest answers you ever find is prayer and devotion. I know this is so, I, I'm beating a dead horse, but we're, gonna, we're building a covenant. Because when we talk about anything deeper, we have to have this foundation, do we not? This is why we, I was preaching about manna. We, God delivers us from exoduses, but yet we have to learn how to go pick up the simple thing, the manna. Or we'll be starving in the wilderness, but yet we'll be super blessed. We believe in his provision, but we've got to accept his presence. And I, I'm just realizing that my, I'm hungering, I'm burdened to give you this, this, it's almost an innate sense that when you wake up, his mercies are renewed every morning, the Bible says. But you know what also is? The little inner idiot inside of you called your flesh. I'm trying, you would not go into your day without brushing your teeth, hopefully, right? Because you believe that, that, that though it's not one day medical emergency, if you don't do it, eventually your teeth are going to fall out. So you, you know what you do? You do not go into your day till you brush your teeth. Why? It's important. You will feel different after you brush your teeth. Your gums will thank you. When you start to talk to the Lord, you will feel like, I'm not thinking about what I pray today. Yes, I, I have to, like, I have to eat today. I have to pray today. 
And there's a, not because you're like, I want to earn, there's a beauty to it. There's, it's a different way of living. It's incredible to talk to God. You begin to see things differently. Your day has more significance. You know what's going to happen to you when you start praying? You won't be afraid of silence. Like sitting down and just being alone will actually be nice. Like nature will start speaking to you. Weird stuff will start happening to you. You won't need drugs. You got Jesus. Like life will become so wonderful. I, I, this has been my kick recently. Like you can, you can read poetry. I, my schooling was very into like the romantic literatures and Thoreau. Like I've read it all, okay? These guys, are, they're walking in nature, having wonderful Nothing on Jesus. Nothing on Jesus. I can sit in this room sometimes, light a candle, and I say a word, start bawling my eyes out. Not because I'm sad, but because I know he's in the room. Like, I can fill you with so much biblical knowledge, but let's, let's find that I know he's in the room feeling, and let's build the knowledge on top of that. You know what I'm saying? Because then it would change everything. It would change everything. I don't want to live in a way which I test the Lord. I don't want to live in a way in which prayer can be my answer, but I keep shaking the eight, the eight ball and realizing I, it's there. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. So I want to share very briefly just kind of tips and tricks of how you can pray, okay? You can do it multiple ways, okay? You can do it the, you know, kind of like I do it. I just walk in and start talking. And I have certain ideas of what I want to say today. I want to repent of my sins, that's for sure. I want to tell them about the day. I want to ask him for stuff, for guidance. I want to ask about the serious things like, uh, you know, thy will, not my will. But I also want to be like, hey, I want to talk about stuff random, random stuff. I try to keep this, this idea of honesty. I read an illustration one time that was wonderful. And, and the lady was like, you know why you go to prayer and you're saying everything right but you don't feel good? It's because it's like you're going and you look at olive oil. Like um, there's vinegar and olive oil at an Italian restaurant. Before you get to the oil, you have to pour out the vinegar. You ever seen it? Because they don't mix. Top of the bottle is vinegar, bottom oil. You have to pour it out. And if you don't pour it out enough, you'll just have vinegar on your plate. And you dip your bread, and it will be not good. You know what I'm talking about? Any, any food? She said that, though the Bible says, enter into his gates Thanksgiving. That is true. All these things are true. All these ways of prayer are not contradicting one another. They're just different ways you can do it. Sometimes you need to pour out the vinegar before you get to the oil. The problem is you're praying and praying and praying and praying. You're saying everything right. You're praying about Africa. You're praying for the missionaries. You're praying all these things. And then you're like, you feel bitter. Kind of like bitter water in the wilderness. And God's like, be like, how are you doing? Do you like me? <laughs> I know you're talking to me, but do you like me? Do you feel better about like, am I, is prayer just something you do out of service? Oh, I was praying this other day. Sometimes I will pray to God in a way in which I'm giving to God. And God's like, yeah, this, I, I appreciate that. But you cut all the, all the parts where I give to you. You're checking and giving me a thing, but you're not going to do this very much longer if you don't let me give to you. Prayer is about God, firstly, but it takes two to have a conversation. It's not a monologue, it's a dialogue. And so if you don't, if you don't pray in a way in which you feel like you are engaged in a relationship, then you're not going to want to do it. You're not going to do it. So that's, that's the honesty, doing it in a way... Pray in a way which you want to come back tomorrow. I'm not saying light incense. I'm not saying use Eastern religion. I'm saying be biblical. You just can't find your own path to him. I'm saying talking to God, confessing, dreaming, all these things are awesome. What I would do, an easier way, is sometimes you can just write thanks. 
honest, um, and others. And you can pray those key words. Thank him, be honest to him, others. And now you, if you talk about that, you could just go off. Some of you need really spelled out prayer guides. You need the tabernacle plan. You need 10 different sections instead of timer, whatever. You know how you need to do it. That's not what I'm saying. It's just a call to action. I know they're, they're almost done. I want you to see some. I want you to pull your phone out. If you don't have a smartphone, I will send the link to the remind text. This is a version Bible plan about prayer. I do not care about you reading the scriptures on this plan. It would be nice if you did. What I care about is that we all can be accountable for the next 21 days. When you click day one, day two, we're all going to see each other. Okay? This is not legalism. This is just accountability. We won't do this the rest of your life. I just want us all to know. I want to give you a little bit of a push. Okay? Where you go, I'm going to put myself under the limb and say, I'm going to show, I'm going to check in every day with my youth group and show that I'm praying. Okay? It's maybe a little nervous, but it's going to help you. My goal is at the end of 21 days, it'll be easier for you to pray every day. You understand? So this is like a covenant moment. Follow the link, sign up for it, sign into your YouVersion app. I will send it through a mind text. You can use an iPad, use desktop, doesn't matter. Use your parents, doesn't matter to me. Just pray. I would go, read your Bible for 10 minutes, talk to God for 10 minutes. Read your Bible for 5 minutes, talk to God for 5 minutes. Whatever you got to do. We've talked about methods a lot before. Just, you do you, boo. Just do it. Not to, not to rip off Nike. Just do it. What happens is you'll become more and more aware of God. Simply talking to God helps you become aware of God. And your knowledge and His presence is building your faith. You think we can do it? You think for 21 days we all could check in and do this? I believe it's going to help us. I believe it's going to help our prayer meetings. Remember those things? I believe it's going to help our devotion. I believe that when I do preach the things to you that you wouldn't be able to find on your own, your, your heart will be way more sensitive to things. You're going to hear the word speak in different ways because you're the ground that's being prepared. 21 days. Okay, you got it? Covenant. Okay, why don't you stand with me? Let's pray real quick. I know you got to get out of here. God, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, I pray that we become sensitive to simple invitations. Lord, every morning there's fatigue. Every morning there's doubt. There's discomfort. There's every reason not just talk. There's so much self-judgment. Lord, I pray a peace upon them. I don't think that much about how I talk to a friend. Why? Because I believe in the presence of that friend. I do not have to think that much about a conversation with someone I enjoy being around. It gets to grow. It gets to flow. It gets to go. The more awkward the relationship, the more awkward the conversation. And so, Lord, I pray that through a natural conversation, they are able to have a natural relationship. In Jesus' name, let it be done. And let the church say, amen. You're dismissed.